right, it's going to have to be the Holy Spirit speaking through me for me to come up after that. Because uh, I am not that good. So uh, <laughs> I love our worship. That's just the song set. The worship should continue on through everything, every fiber of our being. So thank you guys for being here at the creek this morning. Um, we're going to get back into Matthew. So if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew 21. Uh, there's Bibles on the end of the rows if you need to, uh, to have one. If you do not have a Bible, uh, put your name in the front of that. That is now yours. Take that. Uh, that is your access to the Word of God. So uh, thank you for being here this morning. We've taken a few uh, little detours through Matthew here the last couple of weeks because of Easter and uh, Mother's Day, but we're going to get back into it. And uh, let me kind of recap you on some of the things that we've We've talked about through Matthew 21. Uh, Joseph did an amazing job. It feels like six months ago, um, but a couple weeks ago, teaching on the triumphal entry of Jesus and and, uh, the the king entering Jerusalem and uh, walking out that journey that that God had laid before him and set before the foundation of the world uh, to carry out. Uh, We saw Jesus clear the temple because uh, church had become something that uh, is unholy and had become a place of business and not a place where God is glorified and uh, God is uh, made accessible to people who have need. And so Jesus does not desire us to get in the way of what God wants to do in the life of his church and people. And uh, throughout the book of Matthew, Matthew wrote this gospel account. He is a Jew. Um, And he was writing to the Jewish audience to show that the Messiah, the king that you've been waiting for, for centuries and for, for the existence of Israel is here. The king, the Messiah, you don't have to look any farther. And so we've journeyed through the book of Matthew um, with the, the kind of subheading of here is our king uh, because it is our desire, my desire in my life and my hope for your life that you submit to him as your king as well. He has the authority. We've seen Jesus' authority over the weather, over sickness, over death, over the enemy. I find it interesting. We're going to talk about authority this morning. And I find it interesting that really just now in the gospel account that humans, that God's created humans are just just now starting to recognize the authority of Jesus. But from the beginning of time, the enemy, the demons, and the sickness, and the weather, everything had to obey Jesus because they recognized that authority. And so I want us to pick up in Matthew 21 this morning. If you're like me and you have this natural tendency about authority, uh, we're in, we're in, it's a me too moment. I'm the type of person where it says, if it says keep off the grass, I, I have to step on it. Okay, it's just, even if it's just one toe, okay, you know, no swimming, what do you want to do? No fishing, why? Because there's probably good fish in there, you know what I mean? And so I I have this, uh, I think it's my sin nature, so um, you too have it, Um, and I am a sinner, and I deal with that, and I tend to respond to authority like most people, we either reject it or question it. Um, but our desire ultimately is to get to a point where we submit to authority in a holy way. And my, my hope is through this teaching this morning that as we see the, 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 the rejection of authority through the chief priests and elders in this inner exchange of conversation with Jesus, that we come to that point in our life that we're willing to submit to the authority of God. 
And we're going to spend some time talking about the Trinity. I'm going to stretch you a little bit theologically. If you've been at the creek for a amount of time, you understand that, that we've, we did a whole teaching on the Trinity and how uh, God operates. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're distinct yet one. God does not take on different forms to manifest himself as one or the other. They are one. God is a triune God and they submit to each other. If you want a perfect picture of community, that is the Trinity because the Son submits to the Spirit. Spirit submits to the Father. They all love each other. There is nothing at war within them. It is beautiful, perfect community. And that is a beautiful, perfect model for us as we live in community with each other. So we are going to go through this. And uh, Jesus uh, has a desire to... uh, Let us come to revelations about authority. We're going to see authority questioned and authority explained. And uh, the rejection of that authority uh, made clear. But Jesus desires us to have a revelation of his authority. And so my hope is that we don't leave here with answers and and some questions uh, that we may have come in with, have answers to. I, I pray that we leave with revelation. Uh, more of that authority of God in our life, of who God is and our desire and our ability to submit to that. I read a quote this week that there's nothing um, intoxicates some people like a sip of authority. If you've ever been given authority, you understand what I'm talking about. I think my head size increases tenfold when I get some authority. Again, it's my human nature and I have to work at being humble instead of easily being prideful. And so I want us to to approach this authority and and understand who we are, but let's look at God and who he really is in this. Um, This is after Jesus had cleared the temple. He had cursed the fig tree, so he had made some indictments against the nation of Israel. And uh, he's teaching in the temple. The chief priests and the elders come and they question Jesus. Now, they had a right to question where Jesus' authority came from. He was teaching in the temple, as he often did. And they had a right to, but we're going we're gonna to see some, some things happen through this exchange. So we'll pick up in Matthew 21, and uh, we'll start at verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? And, and what I love about it, Jesus isn't just about answering questions, and he's not going to answer our questions for the sake of answering questions. He is not about idle conversation. He is not about, you know, let's talk but get nowhere. And so Jesus responds in a beautiful way with a question. He says, I will ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Uh, that does not work with parents, by the way. Um, that's some wisdom. You know, I said wisdom is learning from someone else's mistake. You know, when your parents ask you a question, answer it. It doesn't matter how old you are, trust me. You still are under the authority of mom and dad, okay? My, my mom can still, she has, I am under her authority. My father, yes, I submit to my mother and father and I honor them. And so don't try that. If they ask you a question, let me ask you a question first. That ain't going to work, sorry. <laughs> if you are a, a youngin as they call them up north, a youngin, uh, take that as wisdom and just, this was a case where you just answer the question, okay? So Jesus says this, John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it heaven or from men? 
And so, you know, you, it's almost like this is the double jeopardy round where, you know, they start to group up and go, okay, we've got to figure, figure this out. Uh, they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he's going to ask us, then why didn't you believe him? Uh, but if we say from men, man, then the people around here, we're afraid that they're going to they're gonna be upset with us because they hold John as a prophet. And so what they were doing is they were having this, this, this war within themselves because if we admit that John's authority came from heaven, then the, the, the line of thinking is, well, we didn't submit to his authority. And, and he was preaching Jesus was coming. Jesus is the Messiah. So that means we're going to have to submit to this man, Jesus, who by his authority cleared out the temple. Wait a second. This man, Jesus, is affecting our financial bottom line. And so if we say John's authority came from heaven, we're going to be broke. <laughs> and so they think, well, we can't answer that way. Okay. Well, if we say it came from men, you see all the people that we have authority over? I mean, we say jump, they say jump. We can say, um, you can only do this on the Sabbath. We say, this is what you have to do in the temple. I mean, as soon as Jesus gets out of here, we can go back to the business that we had before where we can start exchanging money at high exchange rates and we can sell sacrifices and get back. I mean, business. Yeah, we took a little downturn with Jesus involved in our economy, but, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, we'll get back. You know, let's get rid of Jesus. But if we answer from men, then the people who are, have under our authority they're gonna, we're going to lose face with them. So how do we answer this? <laughs> this is a quandary. Um, and so uh, they answered Jesus after the, the music stopped. They said, I love this. We don't know. What a spiritual answer, you know? You've got chief priests and elders who know the Old Testament inside and out who could come up with, I mean, any argument possible, but they say, oh, you know, I don't even know if they said, I think that's translated. I think in Hebrew it was like, <laughs> then Jesus said this. Well, <laughs> I'm not telling you either. He said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. And so the conversation is going to continue here in a minute, but let's understand this. Uh, Jesus isn't going to provide answers that get nowhere. Jesus is concerned and desires us to enter revelation. Um, the chief priest, I told you why they would not accept the authority of John on either either behalf. What they were approaching Jesus about is they wanted more evidence from Jesus that he was the Messiah. If this is who you're claiming you are, we need some more evidence. Show me more. Tell me more. They're asking, give me some more truth. I want to find more hoops that you can jump through so then I can believe you. And Jesus is not about to play their game. We've got to walk away and understand something from this exchange. If we desire God's revelation in our life, if we desire new truth from Scripture, I I was challenged this week at a conference I went to, and I want to challenge you the same way. When you approach Scripture, read it as though it's the first time you've ever read it. Some of us have read passages passages multiple times. I've taught through passages multiple times. I don't want to fall back and say, well, I taught this in 06, and so here's what I can do. I want to be able to approach Scripture with fresh eyes, with new revelation. If I'm going to get new truth, then I better be obeying what God has already told me. We're not going to experience anything new from God and no new revelation if we're not obedient to the word he's already given us. And my, my hope is that as we approach this, we find ourselves obedient so then the, we're not just exposed to the truth of it, we're having new revelations from it, that it's taking root. I mean, it's one thing for me to expose you or me to be exposed to truth, but let that truth be revealed in every area of our life. 
And, and God says, until you can be obedient with, with the truth I've already given you, nothing new is going to come to you. You're going to see this the same way you've always seen this before. You know, it's like the story of the pastor who started a, a, his new job at the church. He got up, and I mean, he preached it. I mean, taught on love, and just, I mean, people were... People were convicted. People were apologizing to each other. And I mean, they were loving on each other. And people came up to him and Pastor, I'm so glad you're here. We needed that message. Thank you so much. That revolution, man, opened my eyes, you know. And, and the next week, the pastor gets up, gets up there and preaches that same message on love, man. Just boom, goes for it. And people are like, yeah. About the sixth week, the pastor teaches the same message. And one guy said, man, uh, you know, you know, we hired you to preach every week. He said, yeah, I know. That's what I'm doing. He goes, yeah, but preach something different. He goes, well, once you get that, then I'll preach something different. Are you okay? So let's get this truth so God can teach us something different, okay? And, and let's submit to this authority. Let's quit questioning God. Well, what gives you the right to do this in my life? Uh, because I'm God. Because God is sovereign. Because God can see the end where we can't even see the the end of our nose. And so let's trust and submit in that. And then Jesus is going to go in here and he's going to tell them three parables. These are parables with the nation of Israel and he's going to show their, their rejection of God. And, and when I say God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all of those pieces of authority from the, from the Trinity are at play in the nation of Israel that Jesus is going to show, not only will you not answer where John's authority came from, you're rejecting the authority of God. And he starts to tell them this story um, in uh, verse 28. This is the same conversation. There's no, there's no commercial break. There's no, no, you know, three days later. This is, he said, I'm not going to tell you where I get my authority, but he's going to show them how they reject authority. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. The son said, I will not, but later changed his mind and went. It doesn't say what the father did to change his mind. Um, you know, I don't know if the father put him in time out. I don't know, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think I got the courage up maybe a couple times to tell my parents, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and there were some consequences to, to, to said actions, okay? And uh, I don't know what, what the father did. I think I liken this to the scripture where God will discipline us as sons, that he loves us. Um, I know my parents love me based on how they were willing to discipline me. Um, and I, it took me being a father to understand this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. But I understand that because that's, that, that discipline shaped me and formed me into, into the man that I am. I'm, I'm not perfect, but they taught me and corrected me. And so the man was honest with me. He said, I'm not going. And later he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And I love this. He is asking the chief priests and elders these questions because he's desiring to lead them into some revelation. He's not saying, you tell me, you answer me. Jesus doesn't need our answers. But Jesus desires to lead us into this revelation. And they said the first one. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. 
For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. He's saying you've rejected God the Father. The Father has said, be obedient. The Father gave the nation of Israel the land that they are standing on. He he brought them out of the oppression of Egypt. He gave them a new land. Miracles they saw. They followed a fire by night and a cloud by day. They saw waters parted, the things that they got to see. And then as they communicate that through their history, you would think they would never lose their effectiveness. But the nation of Israel had developed a weak faith. And the elders and chief priests were the leaders of that weak faith. And the God, Jesus is showing them through this revelation and their rejection of the authority of God the Father that God has asked you, your father, Abba, Father, has asked you to be faithful with Israel. And you said, I will do it, and you did nothing. And he said, those people that you consider on the outside, the people who are under your authority, the people that you look at and consider outside of God's grace, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the sinners, you know what? They were honest and said, I'm not going to submit to this God, your Yahweh, no way. But they humbled themselves. The message went first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, and you have people accepting the message of Jesus. Look at Jesus' ministry. Prostitutes, sinners, they desired to be in the presence of Jesus because there was no judgment, there was no condemnation. It was love, holy love. Jesus didn't consider them on the outside. And he said, the ones that you consider on the outside, they're going into the kingdom of heaven before you. They're going to cut in line right in front of you because of your attitude, your disobedience, and your rejection of the authority of God the Father. We have to understand that God desires performance over promise. I mean, we can say to God, we can gather, we can spend time in prayer and say, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to submit to you. I, I want to humble myself, and I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I, I, I will share with you this week in my prayer time. Uh, I don't share a lot of what happens in my quiet time with you, but this week, uh, this was... <laughs> Uh, revolutionary for me. I have irrefutable proof of the resurrection power. And I have it for a negative reason. Because I pray, God, I want to die today for you. God, I I lay myself on the altar and I want to be a living sacrifice. As Paul says, I die daily. And my proof of the resurrection is just a few minutes later, that sin nature that I have just died to comes back up. And I can tell God, God, I'm going to walk away from this. God, I'm going I'm to avoid that temptation. God, I'm going to resist that temptation. But God desires my performance over my promise. God says, God says, do it. Work at it. Lock in with me, buddy. I have the ability. I have the authority over that temptation. I have the authority over the enemy who's even tempting you. Lock in with me. And he's saying, be in my vineyard. And so we get into this next series of parables. This is the parable of the tenants, verse 33. This is the rejection of God the Son, the authority of the Son. Listen to another parable, Jesus said. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. 
He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what, he, what will he do to those tenants? Again, Jesus is desiring to lead them into revelation. He's desiring them to come to that understanding so that they can realize what is going on. This is, this is God, this is a, a God picture. And looking back at the nation of Israel in that God said, I have given you this land, again, given you this land. I've placed you here. I've put you in a place in a land where milk and honey flows. It is a fruitful land. Go in and bear fruit, but be submissive to me. You know, God wants us to produce fruit in submission. He doesn't give us the ability to produce fruit and bear fruit just for ourselves. I mean, everything we do is to glorify God. And God desires us to give back to him those fruits. When God came to call his fruit, you know, when he sent his servants and then ends up sending his son to call for his fruit, he doesn't get into this process of saying, it's mine, I'm going to take it. He desired the people that he had trusted the vineyard to, to be obedient, to give that in submission. I think we've been beat up in the past in churches about how we're supposed to give to God. And, and we, we get compelled and compulsion and guilt. God does not want you to give out of guilt. God desires that you give out of a cheerful heart. And so it's God, look what I have produced and I desire to share this with you. I desire to give you the first fruits because you are the one that gave it to me first. And so... In this picture, he's saying in Israel, they they were disobedient with the vineyard. And the owner, God, sent his servants, the prophets, to tell you God desires your obedience. He's not wanting to be a, a manipulative God. Share with him what is his. He's given you the ability to live here, to be here, to produce here. And he's just asking for your submission. Glorify the owner of the vineyard through your produce. And they rejected the servants, the prophets. And he says, instead of destroying you, he sent his son. And he sent, and his son was treated in the same way. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus suffered outside the city gate. In this parable, it says that they drug him outside of the vineyard and they killed him. And then Jesus tells them this parable and he says, what do you think? And they said, he'll bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Basically, they came to the conclusion that they're disobedient with Israel. God's going to hand that over to a land that will produce and will produce in submission. Looking at the history, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem within a generation. The people of Israel, the Jews, were under a new oppression And God began to work in his church. And he gave over the work, the vineyard, to 
to his church. He still he, he is not out of love with the Jews, but he has given that work to produce to his church. And he's, he's, Jesus is being very clear with what's going on. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? Which is interesting. They're chief priests and elders, okay? In order to get to that point, they're going to know. They know the scripture, okay? It's not, I know where to find it. <laughs> I know the context. They know the scripture. And Jesus says, have you not read? Do you not read? What's up with you? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in your eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. What he's saying is, you have an opportunity here to bow before and submit to the authority of Jesus. I'm right here. You can do it. I am the capstone. The interesting thing, this came from Psalm 118, which just a few days earlier, the crowds were shouting another verse from Psalm 118 when they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus says, they were familiar with the scriptures. And he says, I'm the stone. I am that stone that the builders rejected. And then the chief priests, when they heard this, they knew he was talking about them. Instead of acting in humility, you see, we're going to respond to Jesus in one of two ways, humility or pride. Instead of being in humility, they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. There's that quandary of authority again. I want this man who's ruining my empire whose authority is challenging my way of life. And I can't get rid of him because of the people that I lord authority over. Think about, I leaned over to Heather after the end of the the song set, and I said, man, it just feels like, I I don't want to say revival because we're so new. It's like, I think revival's getting ready to break out in here. I I mean, it was just life. You could feel life, you know? And... Think about what life would have been infused in the nation of Israel had those chief priests said, you know what, Jesus, you're right. I'm sorry. We, we have neglected the holy responsibility of leading Israel. And think about it. If they got on their knees before the Son of God and said, have mercy on us, a sinner, their pride wouldn't let them do it. Think about what would have happened in the nation of Israel in that temple And I understand God has his plan, but look at someone's opportunity to humble themselves before Jesus and that opportunity missed. And pride led them completely away. What I love about God and his mercy is, you know, if I sent my, I don't have a son, but if I sent my daughter to collect something from you and you mistreat her, Okay, the wrath of Matt is coming down on you. Okay, if, if she just perceives that you had any hint of attitude in how you responded, the wrath of Matt will come. I'm, I, you, I'm very easygoing, but don't mess with my girls. I mean, my wife, I will fight you for my wife. My kids, uh-uh. nay, nay, I say unto thee. That is holy, holy territory. It is on, okay? God's mercy and grace 
Okay, instead of at that point calling the legions of angels and it's like, take them out. In his grace, when they killed his son, he allowed that because he knew the redemption. He knew that they would not humble themselves, but how many people would humble themselves before the cross on which his son was sacrificed? That the authority of his son in humility leading to the cross, that how many billions of people that God has created would humble themselves under that authority. And he sent his son. And let's go on. This, the mentality of the chief priests and elders has changed. Now they want to arrest him. Now they're a little, they're a little ticked off. You know, they're, they're quite uh, put out, we'll say. Chapter 22, verse 1. He goes on to tell them, this is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. So we're going we're gonna to draw some conclusions here. Uh, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to. Here's what happens in in this culture. Uh, There were two invitations that would go out. It's much like our current save the date. Actually, we send as many notifications as we can at a wedding. I'll get a postcard, save the date. I'll get another postcard. Here's where we registered. I'll get another one, you know, uh, shower coming soon. Okay, I'm not going any shower, all right? It ain't going to happen. And then you get this wedding invitation. In this culture, two invitations went out. One to say the banquet is coming. The son's getting married. The son, it's going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. And then when it's ready, the, the king or the, the owner will send his servants out again and say, come on, let's do this party. You know, and so they would all come. And that's what's going on. So when they sent them out, they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said, uh, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. There, there's the second one. That was customary. He's like, it's going to happen. Okay, now the, the ox is killed. The cows are killed. The slaughtered. The barbecue's going. You know, the smoker's going. The brisket's on. Beans, there's always beans and potato salad at those things too. So that's going to be there. It's ready. Go get them. Tell them to come on. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. See, they responded to the invitation, some with indifference. They responded to the Holy Spirit. This is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the messengers. If you think about God uh, in his triune nature, when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came. On, in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, when the, the disciples were praying in the upper room, and it says what tongues of fire separated on each of them. What that symbolizes is in when God was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, you had a pillar of fire at night and cloud by day. When that fire separated, God said, I'm not going to preside over my people corporately. I'm going to reside in them individually. And so what separates is tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2 fills the believers. That's the Holy Spirit moving in their life. When when The Holy Spirit is the messenger and inviting us to God. Invitation is the same word in Hebrew as call. It means the same thing. Just as they say, God is calling me, God is drawing me. Some say the Holy Spirit woos us. I can't, I won't, I can't, and I would not. I would refuse to manipulate you into a relationship with Jesus. First of all, if I did that, it wouldn't be real. If you say it and there's no heart, there's no transformation. Okay? 
And so we've got to understand that this is the work of the Holy Spirit that we're getting ready to see happen. And so when they uh, killed those and mistreated the servants, the king was enraged and sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now he's a little upset. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Okay, in, in a biblical context, this does not mean go stand on the street corner and yell, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, and, and to, to yell at people's face and tell them how much of a sinner they are. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a Christ follower. They're, the Holy Spirit is living in me. I'm regenerated. However we want to term that, but I still know I deal with a sinful nature, and I don't need someone standing on a street corner telling me how sinful I am, Okay. And, and I'm quite sure those that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they don't need that either, okay? So when he says go on the street corners, he's saying invite, okay, invite. Not go tell them, not go drag them, not go, you, you get my point. I'm going to beat that one in the ground. So the servants went and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. I love that. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. See, the Holy Spirit is moving on the earth. The Holy Spirit is wooing people. This rejection, the people rejected the Holy Spirit by their indifference. They rejected it with violence. I mean, think about how the work and the gospel uh, in the world today, in your workplace or your neighborhood, or maybe some of your own homes, how people just respond to the gospel with indifference. They respond to Jesus. We say respond to Jesus with indifference. Jesus is not physically standing in front of them. That is the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we do not have Jesus to stand in front of us uh, to accept or reject. It's through the Holy Spirit that draws us in. And what happens, let me, let me explain to you this. What happens is when we... Uh, give our life to Christ when we're born again, when we become a Christian, when that regeneration happens. It's what Jesus told Nicodemus, that spirit gives birth to spirit. What happens is we are made new. It's we humble ourselves. We don't say, it's not magic words of a prayer. Okay, let's understand that. You know, manipulation is me to, to work you up emotionally and say, repeat this prayer after me. That does nothing for either one of us. It is us in humility and submission of heart and recognizing the authority of God and the authority of the Holy Spirit and us submitting to that authority and saying, God, I I am a sinner. I, I desire to be in your grace. I need your grace at work in my life. God, my life is is empty. It is void. And I submit myself to you, Jesus, and your sacrifice on the cross. It is out of the mouth we speak it, but in the heart we believe. It's the faith that the Holy Spirit even gives us to give back to God. At that moment, that's that regeneration. And the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit comes in to reside. It's just, it's almost like a, in a spiritual meaning, an Acts 2 experience that the, the Holy Spirit then begins to indwell in us. The problem is, is we begin to live without the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life. We, we, we have this transformation, but we do nothing with it. And God says, I've, I, you have submitted under my authority. Now live with my authority at work in your life. That does not mean that you can go and step on any piece of land and name it and claim it and say, in the name of Jesus, this land is mine. It doesn't mean you can walk on a car lot and say, you know, I'm planting a seed and I'm believing that's my jaguar. No, it doesn't give us that authority, okay? 
It gives us the authority that when we are tempted, we say, in the name of Jesus, the enemy must flee. He is under the the power and authority of God, not under me. That authority gives us the ability to stand up under temptation. That authority gives us the ability to call health and healing under the authority of God. It doesn't mean we're going to get what we want. It means we're willing to submit to the authority that God has the power over that. In that authority, God may be glorified more by being, you being sick and broke than healthy and rich. All right? It comes down to how are you going to glorify God? I, I, God? If God gave me a ton of money, I know how much of a jerk I can be about money now. If he gave me more of it, it's not going to humble me. Now, I'm praying for the character to handle the money, but I understand that. I can glorify God just fine. Sometimes it's, it's week to week. Sometimes there's an abundance. Sometimes it's negative. But it, that does not hinder my ability to glorify God. And it doesn't hinder the fact that I believe God is sovereign and His authority is at work in my life. And so we begin to move and live and breathe with that authority. And then let's, let's finish this up. Verse 11. It almost feels like a parable within a parable. He says this, But when the king came in and saw the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Understand this culture. The the host would provide wedding clothes, especially for the poor, so they wouldn't look conspicuous. But he would provide garments for the wedding. (laughs) Ladies, that takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? You know, that black dress that (laughs) you're worried the day of? I've been to too many wedding receptions. I don't know if I can fit in that. I'm that way with my brown suit, so I'm with you, okay? When I do a wedding, I say I got a brown, I say I got a black, that's it. I got a black and a brown suit. Because if if you say brown suit, your wedding probably needs to be at least a year out. You give me six months of time to figure out how I'm going to work the gym into my schedule, and then six months to not go to the gym, and then show up at your wedding looking like something stuffed into a brown suit, okay? But the host would give... The, the guest closed. And the king said this, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Notice some things going on. Okay, the king says to this poor man, not wearing the wedding clothes, Friend, he desires a connection with him. Okay? And he's saying, Why are you not wearing the clothes? In, in, in other words, I gave you these clothes. Why, why didn't you wear them? And the man was speechless. It's that moment when you're busted, you know. If you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, what did you do? And they're like, or you can see them getting ready to break. You're like, the guilt has taken me. <laughs> he was speechless. He had no excuse for why he did not wear the clothes provided for him. And you see the relationship change. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Um, He cast them out. Uh, You see, some people think this is a different parable within this, but this is the authority of the Holy Spirit at work. Because you see, like I said, when we submit our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit seals us. He clothes us with righteousness. I mean, we are but filthy rags, but then the Holy Spirit makes us white as snow. And I believe that 
when we uh, step into heaven, when we pass from this earth, when we take our last breath here, um, you know, some people say walk towards the light and, you know, things like that. I, I have no idea how I'm going to respond, you know I mean? Uh, and all of us probably have a similar image at work in our mind where you die and you uh, figure out, okay, what just happened? Um, and then, uh, okay, here's what you're supposed to say when you stand before God. You know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You know, I, I was drilled with that as a kid. Here's the thing. I don't think we're going to have to say anything. I, I, I think God will see us and recognize us by our clothes. Yeah, more than that, he's going to have the stamp of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to say, welcome home, son. There's a place at the wedding banquet just for you. Come on in. You have to labor no more. Your time in the vineyard is done. Your obedience is rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I think at that moment we will embrace God as the perfect father that he is. I think in that moment we will see the fullness and the glory of Jesus. And in that moment the Holy Spirit's thinking the fulfillment is, is finished. This one's home. And, and I, I think that when we uh, reject God's invitation, it just means he's not our priority. You know, and to reject the Holy Spirit means we reject God's grace and mercy. You see, the Holy Spirit, yes, He convicts us of sin, but it's because He desires to lead us into grace and mercy and a submission of the authority of God. And so we've got some decisions and some reflections to make. I mean, there, there, there's several things that I hope you reflect on through this message. And, and the first of which is, Am I submitting, and not just submitting, but I am submitting and living in the authority of God? You see, it's one thing to be a subject in the kingdom, but it's another thing to be actively effective for the kingdom. And so am I working in the kingdom, not out of guilt or compulsion, but because of my love for the king, my love for the father? The interesting thing about the word authority, the word author is found in it. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Let us look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I love what it goes on to say is, Who for the, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so let us submit to authority. Let us submit to the authority of God. Let, let God father us. Let us recognize the authority that Jesus obtained through the cross and the grave and the resurrection. And let us submit to the Holy Spirit's authority in our life so that we live every day as a reflection of Jesus and that authority is at work in our life. Let's let Jesus write our story. Let's let Jesus author our life, our faith. And let's submit to that authority so that we don't find ourselves rejecting God's authority. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for being so amazing. Thank you for being uh, a, a beautiful example of authority and humility. That God, when, when we experience authority of our own, 
we have a hard time with it. May God help us to experience your authority in a holy way and in a joyful way. God, we just ask that, um, as you said, that, that those who throw themselves on the stone will be broken. God, we throw ourselves on you in humility and we invite you to break us. And God, we know that when we don't, in our pride, you crush us. And so, God, we ask that you give us the courage and the ability to submit in humility. And, God, we just ask that uh, as your authority is at work in our life, that we truly are living examples of your authority at work in us. And that we handle that with the submission We give the glory back to you. We produce the fruit that you desire in our life and it goes back to you. And God, I I understand that that maybe some um, some of us have been hurt by you. Some of us have been hurt by people who uh, claim to have a relationship with you. Some of us have been just hurt, God. And we have a hard time submitting because we've seen your authority abused. Would you heal us of that? Would you help us to understand that your authority is holy and perfect? And Father, may we never abuse your authority. May we live lives of submission. Father, may we die daily. God, help us to not live as dead sinners, but people who are alive and clothed with the righteousness and live with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. We love you. We thank you. We humble ourselves under the name of Jesus, and we pray all of this in the name that is above all names and that at every knee will bow, and that is the name of Jesus. We thank you.